Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. All right, as I said, we are in episode two of God with us. It's called In the Wilderness. You know, and really this is about the journey. We talked about being in the valley, and now we're talking about being in the, in the wilderness. And it's a journey. It's a journey of Mary and Joseph traveling to Jerusalem. And they went through these difficult environments, different seasons that they had to go through. They had to go through the valley. They had to go through the wilderness. They had to go through some difficult circumstances in life to get to Jerusalem, where they, to get to the place where they were actually, Jesus was born, right? So it, it's a difficult journey that they had to take, especially in that time. It was treacherous. Mary was very pregnant. And so it was been a difficult journey to go through the seasons. And so our series, God With Us, is mirroring that journey of life. As we go through our journey in life, we have different seasons in our life, don't we? We go up sometimes to the mountaintop. Then we're in the valley. Then we find ourselves in the wilderness. And it's a different environment that we have to deal with. And sometimes we deal with it on a multiple level. We go through different times when we're in the wilderness. And so really, our scripture to talk about that comes from Matthew 123, which is talking about the theme of our series. And it says this, look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And I think it's so important that message that God is with us resonate in our lives, in our community, in the church, because this is the season where we remember, but it shouldn't just be this season, right? Because God is not just with us during Christmas time. God is not just with us when we go through a good time. God is with us in every season of our life. And so we do celebrate Christmas, but we have to remember the important thing is God is with us through every season of our life. Whether we are on the mountaintop, whether we are in the valley, whether we are in the wilderness, you know, God is with us. As we heard last week about the valley, well, we enjoy him on the mountaintops. We get to know him when we go through the valley, but we experience God when we are in the wilderness. You know, it's an important place. You know what the wilderness is? The wilderness is a metaphor a metaphor for the trials that we go through in life, a metaphor for hardships, for wandering. And I think all of us have been at a point in our life where we feel like we're in a wilderness. We might have people around us. We might be in a season of plenty, but in our heart, in our spirit, in our soul, we feel very lonely, very dejected, very sad. We're in that wilderness state. You're not sure what your next step is in life. You're not sure which direction to go and feels like it's confusing no one is there to give you the right advice. You're in the wilderness. You're stuck in your job, and this job is a monotonous job, and you're doing it over and over, and you're feeling tired. You're feeling, you know, this is not for me. You're in the wilderness. You're at school trying to pass this course, and it feels like you're doing this over and over and over again, and nothing is breaking through, and it feels like you're stuck. You're in the wilderness. There has to be something better, you think. But right now, you're in the wilderness. Maybe you're renting and you've been renting for a really long time and you think maybe I want to get some equity and get a house and it doesn't feel like anything's working. I'm going to the banks and they're not willing to give me a loan. You're stuck. 
You're in the wilderness. You want to exercise your faith and believe God for His promises, but it doesn't feel like anything's happening. Maybe you've been dating for a while, you know, you have a wonderful fiancé or in this case, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and you've been saying, well, when is this person going to get me engaged? You know, it's been a while. I'm hanging around and it doesn't seem like anything is happening and it's over and over and over again. And should I continue on or should I get someone else because this person doesn't feel like they want to commit? You're in the wilderness. I think all of us have felt that. Some of us feel like we're close to God. And things are moving on while someone else looks at us and says, well, you feel like things are working out in your life and everything is going good, but it feels like I'm just not getting the same experience. I'm struggling with life. I'm struggling with my kids. I'm struggling with my job. I can't go on holiday. I'm stuck in the same place. I feel paralyzed. I feel afraid. Guess where you are? In the wilderness. Exactly. See, the important thing for us to realize is that Wilderness experiences often follow mountaintop experiences. It's from the mountain that we descend into the valley. And I want to give you a scriptural example. Remember, Jesus was baptized in Jordan. And you know what happened then? There was this miraculous event where the Spirit of God came down visibly in the form of the dove. And God spoke and said, this is my beloved son. You know, and people witnessed this great miraculous event. And you know exactly what happened after that? Do you remember what happened to Jesus? If you read the scripture carefully, it says the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Right after this amazing event, Jesus ended up in the wilderness for 40 days where he had to fast. And sometimes we have amazing experiences with people. We have amazing experiences in life. But all of a sudden, friends turn around and betray you. You started that great job that you thought was going to be the next step in your career. You were excited. People were happy with you. You were happy with yourself. Everything was going great. And then all of a sudden, you started to hate this job because it became monotonous. The people you worked with were horrible to you. Turned around and betrayed you, talked about you. You thought your marriage was going to go well. You had this amazing person that you committed to in your life. But then they turned around and betrayed you. They weren't honest with you. They lied and did something behind your back. And you committed to honesty and open relationship. But that left you feeling hurt, confused, and empty. Where do you go when you're in the wilderness? There's no one around It's just barren. It's empty. It doesn't look like there's any hope. There's no oasis on the horizon. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we can confuse ourselves. What looks like a mirage is not the reality of the situation. A mirage is something that you think you see, but it's not real. And sometimes we can get drawn into different directions and pull into directions where people appear to be something, but they're not. But I want to encourage you today with this thought. And this is going to be our reoccurring thought for today. And it's this. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Well, who do you turn to in the wilderness when there's no one else around? You turn to Him. 
You rely on him. You lean on him. Because no one else can extract you from the circumstance of loneliness and pain and depression and hurt and betrayal. It is him. It feels like somehow you're being punished. It feels like God abandoned you. It feels like you're left behind. But what feels like it is necessarily not true. Sometimes our eyes betray us with a mirage. And sometimes our feelings betray us in our heart. But sometimes what we feel and what we see is not the real situation that God is doing in our life. Because we're so invested in sight and feeling. Because we're human beings, right? All of us have done that. But doesn't the scripture say... You don't have to see with your eyes. You don't have to feel with your heart when you know God is with you. So it's not about feelings. It's not about seeing. Because Jesus can turn even the blind to see. And the broken hearted to restoration. I remember my own experience, you know, and coming from Canada... It, was, it wasn't the choice that I made in my life. To be honest, I didn't want to move to Australia. I'm just being honest. I didn't want to move to Australia. I had friends in Canada. I had serving in church in Canada and ministry in Canada. And all these things that I thought were for my life in Canada. I didn't want to move to Australia. But God kept pounding it into me, literally. I'm like, I don't want to go. I said, no. I don't know how many times I said no. No, no, no. I don't want to go. Finally, after a year of wrestling, he made it possible. And he made it miraculously possible because I didn't pay for my ticket. I didn't pay for my fare. I didn't pay for anything. As soon as I landed here the next day, I got a job. There was no experience. It was a miracle. He made it way possible. But when I landed in Australia, I had no friends. I had no community. I had no one to talk to. And it literally felt like God took me and threw me into the wilderness. And I remember saying to him, what did I do (laughs) to deserve to be thrown into the wilderness? I thought I was serving you. I thought I was doing what you asked me to do. I went where you asked me to go. Why does it feel like I'm in a wilderness place? I remember having this conversation with him. And he says... Stop looking back to Egypt like the Israelites did. To get to the promised land, you need to go through the wilderness. And sometimes we don't like the journey, but we want the destination. But to get to the destination, you need to be on a journey. And it's a struggle, and it's hard. I want to give you another example that comes from scripture about this great prophet named Elijah. If you know anything about Elijah, Elijah was this amazing prophet from God. He did amazing things. In fact, when you read the scripture in 1 Kings, you find out that he went to Mount Carmel and there were thousands of other people that had gathered, 500 prophets of Baal, they all gathered and he stands up in front of all of them and he's alone and he says, you know, you guys have been serving idols, choose this day who you're going to serve, if God is there, serve him. 
And so he performs this amazing thing. He calls down fire from heaven. Fire literally comes down from heaven and it burns up this offering. And all these other prophets, they're trying to do the same thing and they're cutting themselves and they're yelling and he mocks them and he says, you know, maybe your God is asleep. Maybe yell a bit louder. So he wakes up and he says, maybe he's not paying attention. Do something. And he does all, all these things and this miracle happens. Amazing stuff. The people bow down and begin to worship God. He kills all these heathen prophets. Gets them assassinated. Amazing stuff, right? On Mount Carmel. But then King Ahab tells Jezebel, this is what Elijah did. And she says, Elijah, tomorrow I'm going to take your life. Guess what Elijah did? He ran away. And you're thinking, hold on, hold on, Elijah. You just saw... God bring down fire from heaven right there in front of you, in front of all these people. And you get this one threat and you run away. This is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went on on the day's journey into the wilderness. Mountaintop, literally to wilderness. He came to a broom bush. I don't know what a broom bush is. Probably a bush that used to be sweeping. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it looked like a broom. That's what they call it. Anyway, it was a broom bush. And he sat down under it. It probably gave him some shade. And he prayed that he might die. And you're saying, but you were just experiencing the miracle of God. And you get this threat and you're running away into the wilderness. And he says this, I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm done. I've had enough. I can't take any more. In fact, he runs about 100 miles, which is about 160 kilometers, which reminds me of that song, I will walk 500 miles. You know what? For love, but he's saying, I'll walk 500 miles, 100 miles in the opposite direction because I'm not about, this is not about love, this is about hate, I'm running in the opposite direction, right? He came from this mountaintop and he's in the wilderness. Can you identify with having great experiences and all of a sudden things turn around and people threaten you and people say things about you and talk about you and say things negatively about you and you're hurt and you feel like, what happened to the joy? What happened to the experience I just had? What does it feel again like I'm stuck? Some of us, you know, we're growing up and we have teenagers. That's a wilderness journey right there. When beautiful kids turn into teenagers, you're like, what monster got into you? It's like a whole different person. They don't listen. They start to smell. It's like, what happened to my baby boy? I don't know. We go through all these changes, you know. You go, your boss becomes passive-aggressive. Narcissistic boss demanding things from you that seem to be working fine before, no issues before. You seem to be making up ground financially. You have a financial goal in mind. Things are getting well to what you want to get in life. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's a car accident and you have to get your car fixed and your toilet breaks and there's a plumbing leak and your roof starts leaking and then the ATO sends you a tax invoice and then you get a speeding ticket and you're like, what's going on? All of a sudden, everything seems to go 
wrong. You say, I want to be nice for people. I'm going to invite people over. We had a great time. Here's some dinner. Then they all just leave the table, leave the plates for you to clean up and walk off. You're like, but I was just generous. Can you help? But no, you're left there by yourself cleaning up. I'm sad to say that I leave Chanel to do that all the time. Sad. (laughs) Crack me later. Poor Chanel. (laughs) I leave her with the stuff. Sometimes I help, but not often because I'm like, I'm busy. And she's like, you're never home to take care of this stuff. I'm like... Sorry, (laughs) I'm in the wilderness. (laughs) You know, sometimes it feels like you can handle a lot, right? But this one extra thing just feels too much. It's like the last straw that broke the camel's back. I'm taking a lot, and it's one, it could be something simple. And you're like, that's it, I, I can't take this anymore. And just like Elijah, I can't take this anymore. I've had enough. I've been filled up with everything, and this one thing more is just going to break me. I can't do it anymore. I'm ready to throw in the towel. I wish I was dead. That's what he says. I wish I was dead. Can't do with it anymore. Can't handle it. And you think about Elijah. Elijah, he stood up to King Ahab. You know, he prophesied the consequence of sin in that that kingdom with what Jezebel and him were doing. And he stood up proudly, strongly, courageously in front of the king and all all his subjects and said, you know what, there's going to be no rain in your land for three years. Nothing. And that's what happened. For three years, there was no rain. And in full force, there was this famine. And Elijah experienced the miracle of God because As there was famine in the land, God miraculously brought ravens from heaven that fed him. He was fed. He was full. That's a miracle right there. If you know anything about ravens, they're very selfish birds. They don't give. They take. But ravens miraculously fed him. There was water for him to drink. God provided that for him. You know, he struck down all these 850 prophets of Baal, right in front of everyone. He called down fire from heaven. He demonstrated God's glory. They destroyed all these idols and false things. And then when he he went back and said, okay, God's going to give you rain. He went up to this mountaintop. He prayed. There was not a cloud in the sky. And Elijah prayed like he was giving birth. You look at it in the scriptures. That's how he prayed, like he was giving birth. And then he saw a cloud the size of a man's hand in the distance. And that activated his faith and it changed the course of that kingdom because it began to rain again. He saw the protection and provision of God Almighty. And one threat from an angry woman and he runs away. Some of you say, well, you don't know my wife. (laughs) Probably true. I would agree with you. that Everything falls apart, right? Because Jezebel threatened his life. And he runs away. And he's tired and he's exhausted. And look at him. Look at Elijah. He's hiding out in the wilderness away from all that he experienced. And some of us are like that, right? We see God's presence. We feel God's glory. We experience it. And we get into one situation and we feel, God, where are you now? It feels like you've abandoned me. And what God is doing is he's putting you in the wilderness to teach you how to lean on him. Not in the stuff you see, not in the miracles that you experience, not even in all the people that are around you, but to lean on Him alone. 
That's what the wilderness is for. That's what I had to experience in my life. I encountered God in a new way when I came to Australia that I didn't experience in Canada. Because you know what? Church was everywhere in Canada. I would have church every day of the week and twice on Sunday, five times on Sunday if I wanted it to. Wherever I went, there was church. Church, church, church. You didn't have to do anything because you have preaching left, right, and center. You can turn on. Even then, you didn't have YouTube and internet. You could go experience church. When I came here, I didn't have the same access. I had to learn how to lean on God for myself. And that's what the wilderness does. Sometimes we rely on so much stuff around us. But what the wilderness teaches you is to lean on God for yourself. Right? And sometimes we feel tired like Elijah. Elijah was tired. He was exhausted. And maybe you can relate. It feels like you're tired. And we say this, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. But really the fact of the matter is that we are not just tired. Because if we are just tired, you could take a nap and you'll be fine. You could take some rest and you'll be fine. But when you get back up, you're still tired. You know why? It's not about tiredness. It's not about physical tiredness. It's about spiritual depletion. That's why we're tired. And we translate that into physical exhaustion. But it's not physical exhaustion. It's spiritual depletion. That's why your soul does not feel right. That's why you feel exhausted in your spirit. And no matter how much rest you get, how much you lay down, how many naps you take, you still feel tired. Because it's not about physical. It's about the spiritual. We are spiritually depleted. What we need is an encounter with God again. What we need is a moment of spiritual replenishing. What we need is a refreshing in our spirits. What we need is the restoration of the grace of God. We need an encounter with the Spirit of God. And the only way to encounter the Spirit of God is to be alone with Him. And sometimes God takes us into the wilderness because He wants us to not be distracted with everything around us, but to learn how to lean on Him. Because remember, God is always with us. No matter where we go, no matter how we feel, He is always with us. Not just when things are going well. Not just when things are going bad, but every second of the day. So what we need is not just physical rest. We need spiritual replenishment. And that's why David said, The Lord is my shepherd and he makes me to lie down. He restores my soul. Because when you learn to rest in God, it's different from resting physically. Because when you get in rest with God, God restores your soul. He restores your spirit in that time of rest. What does God tell Elijah? When he says, I'm tired, I can't take anymore. God doesn't show up and preach a sermon at him. He doesn't say, you know, you need to be here. I'm going to just like speak it into your life and you're going to be fine. No. God doesn't rebuke him and says, your faith is really low. Why don't you do something about that? Because your faith sucks. God doesn't do that either. He doesn't question his faith. He doesn't say, well, you've lost faith. He doesn't do anything. He tells him, Elijah... Learn how to rest and eat. 
That's what happens. If you look in the text, it says there in First Kings again, it says, All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. That's what you call fast food, you know. It came out of nowhere and it arrived really fast. It's in the wilderness. Where did that come from? The angel prepared it. Some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and he lay down. You know, sometimes the most spiritual thing you could do is rest in the presence of God. Rest in his presence because he's able to restore our soul. In fact, the scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Rest, be still, dig a well and stay there for a while because the well is going to replenish you as the Spirit of God pours life-giving waters into you. In fact, out of your belly shall flow forth living waters, life-giving waters as you consume and rest in God's presence. Then verse 7, it says this, The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. You see, he went from a mountaintop, he went into the wilderness, and now he's getting back to the mountain. But there's something that Elijah still has not recognized. There's something he still hasn't become aware of. And then God says this, Then he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing? God says, travel now. The journey is long. But Elijah said, you know what, I'm going to have a little nap. I'm going to check out for a few more minutes because I, I really feel sorry for myself. And God shows up and says, what are you doing? How many times has he showed up in our life and he says, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Amen. You think you have it all together? You think that running after this job is going to make your life happy? You think accumulating all this stuff is going to make your life happy? What are you doing? What are you really doing? Has your life produced something that I've designed it for, or you're just taking up time? Are you just spending time? Because here's the reality of life. This is, this is it. Time is the currency of our life. It's something that you spend that you can never get back. Choose how wisely to spend your time, because once you spend it, there's no refunds. It's not like, oh, I, for, I really wasted a moment there. I'm going to take it back. You can't. You can't take a receipt and go, I like this time back. Once it's spent, it's done. And that's the currency of your life. You spend your time. And you, in exchange for that, you get money. That's what your job is. You give them time, they give you money. So currency of life is time. And God is saying to Elijah, and he's saying to us, what are you doing with the time that I've given you? The energy that I've given you, what are you doing? 
See, some of us need to know where we are and what we're doing. Some of us, we might be running away like Elijah is from situations and circumstances because of threats and scares and tactics and all these things that are going on. Some of us might be intimidated. Some of us want to hide out because we don't want to face the reality of the situation that we're in. We're just running away from stuff. And sometimes we want to run away from ourselves. But here's the one thing. You can never run away from yourself because wherever you go, you take yourself with you. But we try We try with alcohol, we try with drugs, the world tries with all kinds of things to escape themselves. But nothing brings them satisfaction because the only true satisfaction comes from Christ. And that's why he sometimes takes us into the wilderness because it teaches us how to depend on him. What we need to know is that we have a God of second chances. It doesn't matter how many times you've messed up, how many times you've run away, how many times you've given up, how many times things have gone bad. We have a God of second chances. And not just second chances, but third and 50th and 500th. He gives us grace over and over and over and over again, over into our lives. It doesn't matter how far you've run away from Him, how far you've walked at Him, He's still waiting for you because He desires you and He's in love with you like no one else. So he says to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? Haven't I proven my presence and my protection for you? What are you doing? Sometimes you're lying awake at night, and I've experienced that even this week, stressing out. You know what Elijah does? He gets into his whiny voice. (laughs) Ever have a whiny voice? You're like, but God, I don't want (laughs) to. You can do that with kids, but sometimes we do that with God, right? I don't want, but why is this happening to me? I've been coming, I've been giving, I've been doing this, but why? And that's what Elijah gets into. He gets into his whiny voice. He says, he replied to God, I have been zealous over you. He says in verse 10, O Lord Almighty, the Israelites have rejected those people. They hate you. They rejected you. They rejected your covenant, toned down your altars, and put your prophets to death on the sword. It's just me. I'm the only one. I'm the only one left who they're trying to kill now. It feels like that. Sometimes we have those experiences, right? We're human. Elijah's human. We all have that. But God is not condemning him. I want you to see how we go through the season. He's in the wilderness. He feels alone. He feels hurt. He's in pain. He's just thinking about himself and his situation. What about me, God? I've been doing this, but I feel alone. People have let me down. People have rejected me. People have turned their backs on me. People are trying to kill me. And I've been serving you. He's focused on himself and his pain. But then God meets Elijah and meets him at his need. And that's what I said before. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it drives you to depend on God. Your need forces you to God. And if you're a Christ follower, then you know where to turn to. If you don't know Christ, then you're left with your abject depravity. There's no hope for you, I'm sorry to say. So that's why Jesus comes. He says, come out to you. Come out to me, all you are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. 
Not just physical rest, but rest to restore your soul. God shows up to Elijah, and this is what happens, amazing stuff, because God wants to show Elijah, just as he's showing us, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain. You're hiding in a cave, but I want you to realize that you're on the mountain of God. You think you're hiding out in a cave away from people, but my presence is with you. I want to show you that. So he says, go out and stand on the mountaintop in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Like, wow, this is going to be awesome. And I see things, amazing stuff, right? God is going to pass by. So Elijah walks out. He's standing there on this mountain, observing the wilderness out before him. And it says, Then a powerful, great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. Earthquake, shaking, rocks falling down. Powerful stuff, right? But it says this, but the Lord was not in the wind. That's just what's happening. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after that came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. All this amazing stuff, earthquake, wind, fire. And after that fire comes a gentle whisper a whisper you have this show of mountains shaking wind blowing fire storming wind god was not in the wind earthquake the lord was not in the earthquake fire not in the fire if you're a 70s child you know earth wind and god was not in that god was not in any of it See, God wasn't in the remarkable. God was about to show Elijah that he was in the ordinary. You have all this drama, power, display of strength, but God says he's not in it. God was in the whisper, in the quiet. When we're overwhelmed by stress, overcome by anxiety, weighed down by depression, why does it feel like God's voice is so quiet? Why doesn't he speak in a spectacular way? Why doesn't he show us his power? Why doesn't he just pour down things like that and do amazing stuff? Because he's capable. Why is he so quiet? Why, doesn't we want, why don't we experience him like with the power like that? Why does he just whisper? You know why he whispers? You want to know why he whispers? Do you want to know? He whispers because he's close. So he can whisper. He's not far that he has to yell. He's close so he can whisper. See, the devil likes to yell lies and shout and do everything. He's like a roaring lion seeking how he might devour. He roars. But God... He's close. He's God with us. And all he has to do is turn around and whisper into our ear. Because he's close. He's God with us. And the only place to know that is in the wilderness. Because there's no one else around to be distracted and to get our attention. God wants us to know that he is God 
with us. And that's why he can whisper. And he can whisper into our ear, you're my child. I'm with you. I will never forsake you. I'll never leave you. No matter what you go through, I'm always with you. I'm your strength. I'm your shield. I'm your strong tower. The righteous can run in and be safe because I'm close. I can whisper into your ear. God is with us. It says this in Psalm 34. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. In Psalm 139 it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. God is close to us. And that's why he can afford to whisper even when the storm rages and all the stuff that's going on. See, I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than on a mountaintop without him. I'd rather be in the wilderness with God than a mountaintop without him. And I come back to that thought. Your deepest need becomes a gift when it teaches you to depend on God. Your deepest desire becomes a gift. You know, the reality is that we all go through a situation. This week was difficult for me. There was a lot of pressure. And I had this exact same scenario. And that's why I can speak from it. I felt like this is enough. I've had enough. I can't deal with it anymore. I don't have to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. It's enough. I just wanted to quit and run away. And this scripture came to me. God whispers when he's close. He whispers into your life. He whispers into your circumstance. He whispers into all these things. Don't you want someone that's close to you so you can hear them in the midst of everything and whisper to you? And that's why we have to understand the wilderness is not God abandoning us. It's God strengthening our relationship with him. It's learning to depend on him. It's learning to experience him in a whole new way and recognize his voice above all the other voices and all the other shouts and all the spectacular things we want to see. What we really need to hear is his voice and what we really need to experience is his presence. That's what you and I need. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for your life. That's what I want for us as a church to experience his presence because when you have him you have everything he is more than enough he is able amen, amen. in the wilderness I want to encourage you today as we close and maybe you are saying God where are you? I don't feel your presence. I want to see you do something amazing. But God has been whispering into your heart and into your spirit. And sometimes he just wants you to be alone with him. To just rest with him. Because he's able to restore your soul. So I want to encourage you to seek that rest in his presence. To seek that closeness.
to be encouraged. Stand with me today. I have a couple of questions, but I want to say this before I even get to the questions for you. I want to ask you if you're tired. Are you tired? Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling spiritually exhausted or depleted? You don't need rest. You need an encounter. You need an encounter with the presence of God. And I want to give you just a few minutes. So we don't need a whole show. Like we just said, we don't need a whole production to encounter God. You don't need the praise team up here to encounter God. You don't need a full house to encounter God. You don't need people around you to encounter God. Because God just wants you. Just you. Just you. I want to give you some space. I want to give you a few moments. If you could close your eyes if you can. If you want to raise your hands, you can raise your hands. And just begin to ask him. Just begin to say, Lord, I need you. 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 Come fill my cup. Come close. Whisper again to me. Whisper in my ear. I need your presence. Father, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come fill our hearts. Come fill our lives. We need you. We need an encounter. We need a touch. We're looking for the spectacular, but Lord, you're in the ordinary, in the whisper, in the small voice, in the quietness of our hearts, in the stillness of our spirits. We need you, Father. Come fill us. You are manual God with us. You are an ever-present God. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.